If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The most profound change is that I trust myself. You know, I like myself now. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today we're bringing on a guest to talk about mindful fitness, so combining exercise with meditation to develop your body and mind. So Kate Hurley is a Portland-based digital fitness entrepreneur and creator of the Move and Meditate Method. With over a decade of experience in the health and wellness industry, Kate understands what works and what doesn't. Her dynamic Move and Meditate practice fuses exercise and meditation to help students cultivate a stronger, more resilient body and mind, tap into their intuition and inner strength, and live an overall more vibrant and resilient life. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Eileen. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here too. So tell me about your story. How did you get into this whole fitness world? Gosh, I feel like I was born into it. It really started Mm. as a kid. I played AAU basketball like it was my job. All I thought about was sports growing up. In high school, I started to run competitively and fell in love with distance running. And I loved it so much that I continued to do it in college. And in college, I kind of experienced for the first time sort of the darker side of health Mm. and fitness. I really, really struggled with body image. I started to push myself beyond my, I guess, beyond what's healthy I was a division one runner running cross country and track. And I really just saw this darker side of myself and darker side of sports and fitness. What do you think like triggered the darker side mentally or emotionally? I think it was the environment of being away from my family. I went, you know, to school on the East coast. My, my family is all in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. I also just think you know, distance running and division one sports in particular, there's a lot of pressure associated with that. And oftentimes in cross country and track, especially for women, the lighter you are, the faster you are. Uh, So I began to associate being thin and fast with success. Mm. And everything I I did as an athlete in college was about achieving. Mm -hmm. Um, And I... I just started to put all this pressure on myself and I started to measure my self-worth by how I performed. Mm. And, um, you know, it got to a point I was, I loved running, 
but, and, and in many ways, you know, I'm so glad that I did it because I learned all of these lessons from it, but running 90 miles a week and limping around campus and falling asleep in the library, even if that led to a really great 10 K time, you've got to suppress a lot of pain and really kind of be at war with your body instead of being physically present and having a more Mm. positive relationship with your body. So I kind of saw the darker side of myself there, but I, I think what I went through, even though, even though people may not know what it's like to run 90 miles a week, I think it's super relatable because I think so many of us know what it's like to burn the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. And so many of us know what it's like to overdo it with our exercise I, I feel like my experience has made me a better, a better teacher now and a better coach for people. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think snapped you out of it? Where like, did the people around you notice, like what made you change and learn to get out of that mindset and exercise? Yeah. You know, I thought that it would just kind of go away when I was after I graduated college, but I took all of those habits and I transferred them into my professional life. (sighs) really working around the clock and always trying to get to that next level and to learn more and to make more money. So I feel like I spent most of my 20s kind of trying to figure it out and then looking for relief in places external to myself, thinking like, oh, well, maybe if I exercise more or if I go vegan or if I have this green smoothie or buy this adaptogen powder, like maybe that's what's going to make me feel good. And Mm. ultimately my anxiety just got so bad that my body shut down. I began to have a series of anxiety attacks at work and I had to take a medical leave Wow. And that was really the the wake up call. Mm, I see. For me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so so you went through your whole college career doing that to your body and then it transferred into your career, which I think is more relatable. I actually feel like you're, that's like something an athlete does, but I think people who are not an athlete can understand like the career side, like putting it all into your work. So what happened after you took that medical leave? Well, my mom's best friend said, Kate, you should meditate. And you know, I had been going to therapy in college, after college, and my my therapist also had told me that I should meditate, but I really rejected it because I thought, oh, well, that can work for some people, but that's not going to work for me. I thought meditation sounded hard and boring. I thought mm-hmm. I couldn't do it, but I was really at a place of desperation, and that was really the only thing that I hadn't tried. So I enrolled in an eight-week program to learn to meditate and really the meditation started to give me some relief because Mm -hmm. by allowing myself to feel things and by practicing new habits of, of operating, that is what helped to allow me to manage the energies of my anxiety better. Mm -hmm. But even though I meditated for a year every day, I still didn't like it. And I like, I still (laughs) kind of dreaded it. And I always felt like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a person who loves to move. I I identify as an athlete. Exactly. Um, I missed exercising. I felt like Mm -hmm. I was so busy working 60 hours a week with this high pressure job. I didn't really enjoy meditation until I also combined it with exercise. Yeah, I see that. So just 
hearing about your move and meditate method that you teach, it makes so much sense to me. I mean, I do yoga and yoga, you always, you know, you're moving and then at the end there's shavasana where you're like basically lying down kind of meditating. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to lie down and just relax after your body is tired, after you're done moving. So it's interesting how nobody else has really talked about this, like move before you meditate. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up yoga because I'm not inventing anything. You know, Mm -hmm. what what I think is really different about the move and meditate method is is that it expands, it goes beyond yoga. So it can, I've got Mm. classes that are geared towards helping you run, you know, and then I also have more high intensity classes where you can feel the burn in your glutes and core and really practice some of those, those principles that you would get in your yoga class, that, that feeling of being embodied, of being physically present in your body when you're moving faster and you're feeling the burn and it's exciting and the music's pumping because, you know, really, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when you can be more embodied and physically present in the body, your relationship with yourself begins to shift and everything you do to drive your body forward comes from a place of potential and love and kindness and understanding rather than deficit and not enough. Yeah, totally. I mean, can you go deeper into like how you meditate? Because meditation, when you say that, it might mean something different to everyone. So just a description of how that works for you. Yeah. So I offer a variety of guided meditation practices and they're all geared towards helping you to train your attention. So it's about becoming more aware of what is here moment to moment. So for me, it's not about clearing your mind of thoughts It's not about even achieving a certain state of being and being calm. It's noticing when your attention has wandered and it's Mm -hmm. a willingness to practice coming back and to be present even when it's not easy, even when it's not comfortable. So I offer breath work practices, practices focused on simply just being present with in your body and then also practices to increase compassion for yourself and practices to really connect with yourself in a deeper, more meaningful way. I love it. That was a really good description. <laughs> I f- yeah, and I can see how the type of meditation that you do, like the goal is like being present and becoming like a friend with your own body. Because like you said, you used to exercise kind of like fighting your own body and forcing it to do things that it might not want to do. But this moving and then meditating is kind of like like you're working with your body, not against it. Exactly. And that's so beautiful that you described it in a way of becoming friends with yourself. Yeah. And, and I think it's really tough because self-love is something that people talk about a lot, especially different leaders in the health and wellness space. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important to just note like, yes, it's important to extend kindness to yourself and it's important to, you know, want to practice self-love, but it's, it's an everyday practice. You know, it's not an end goal and it's okay if there are moments when you don't feel that. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, that's normal. We don't always feel great about ourselves, but But, you know, it's a practice every day. I want to ask, do you have tips for people out there who have either not tried meditation or are beginners and don't know how to just sit down 
daily? How to be consistent with it? Do you have tips? Yeah, that's a great question. My biggest thing is you just have to do it every day, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't want to. And so getting into a routine is huge. For me, when I was first starting out, getting it in the morning really worked Mm. because if I didn't do it in the morning, I could keep pushing it off and pushing it off. So I would wake up, grab some water, brush my teeth, and then move and meditate. And then I I also think like redefining what enough looks like for yourself is really important because I don't know about you, Eileen, but I used to really struggle with thinking, oh, it only counts if it's 30 minutes or it only counts if it's, if it's 60 minutes. And some mornings like me and just doing like a 10 minute practice is all that I can do. Yeah. That's that's fine. fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That counts. So reshaping what enough looks like and then also combining it with something you already do. Most people that I talk to and that I've worked with, they exercise, but they don't meditate. So Mm -hmm. for them, you know, tagging on meditation to something that they already have a habit of doing helps to reinforce that habit. And there are studies on that and research to back that up, that that can help you Mm -hmm. really stay consistent and keep your practice strong if you tag on something new to something that you already do. Yeah, that's something that I teach in my videos too. I think it's called habit stacking or like Mm -hmm. something about linking a habit to a a current habit. But I also want to ask, in your life, how has this exercise and meditation changed your mindset and emotions? Like what has been the biggest change? Oh, that's a really good question. Overall, the biggest, most profound change is that I trust myself. Mm. And, you know, I, I like myself now. guess I didn't even notice it, but I remember being at work before I left my corporate job to to do my own thing. I remember I made this mistake sending out an email newsletter. And normally, you know, I would have just totally beat myself up about it. And instead of going down that shame spiral of feeling guilty and like I was, you know, like the worst person ever, I just acknowledged the mistake and I was able to move past the shame and guilt and and focus on the solution Mm. and the learning from it rather than getting stuck in the, ugh, you're you're a terrible person and all this negative self-talk. So my increased compassion for myself, my ability to trust myself. And, you know, I feel like it's given me the superpower too, because in stressful situations, I have clarity to see things more for what they are versus getting swept up in my reactions to things. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think everybody would love to like move towards that even more cuz negative self-talk, we might not be born with it, but we're just it happens because of maybe what our teachers would say or our parents would say and it just it becomes our own voice. And learning to undo that is huge. And it, it's so much more productive, you know, cuz sometimes we waste too much time beating ourselves up or feeling guilty about something when all you need to do is look for a solution to your problem and and just try to do your best with whatever you can do. Yeah, I 
I'm so glad you brought that up because I believe that, yes, negative self-talk comes from stories we've been told about ourselves that we've then begun Mm -hmm. to internalize. But I also think it's our body trying to keep us safe. Yeah. You know, if we don't take a risk, if we don't like start the new project or speak up, you know, we're not going to be ridiculed or we're not going to fail. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, we're also not going to grow. So Like right now, for example, I'm about to launch this brand new mobile app and I can hear that inner critic getting a little bit louder. But I think, you know, the inner critic is there because it's it's there to keep us safe and protect us. Mm, It doesn't want you to fail. It's scared to let you fail. Yeah, that's true. Right. And 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 it's important to just say, okay, like fear, I'm gonna embrace you and I'm gonna make space for you and you can be here and thank you for trying to protect me. (laughs) But I'm gonna keep doing this anyway because this is where the growth is and this is what where my purpose is. You almost have to train that mindset of like, okay, fear, I see you, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. You have to train your mind to do that. Totally. And meditation helps with that because I don't know about you. I know, you know, you have a lot of amazing content on mindfulness, but it really helps me during my meditation. I get to practice every day. Oh, here are the judgments that I'm having about myself. Mm -hmm. And then I practice not judging those judgments as good or bad Mm -hmm. while I'm meditating. And then that trickles into the other 24 hours of my day. Yeah, and then I love that. it also impacts my workout too. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can't hold plank for a minute today. I'm getting tired. You know, I'm not going to judge myself and say, you're so weak and you're a terrible person. Mm. Like I just notice it, or if I have those judgments, I don't believe them and yeah. I can notice them. Yeah. That's an amazing thing that meditation does that I don't think people highlight as much is the ability to like see your thoughts, like uh, observe without like being connected to your thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's that like learning to detach a little bit because some people like they are what they think mm-hmm. and meditation helps you realize you're not necessarily what you think. What you think is just what you think. Like it, just observe it, yes. but you don't have to like act on it and it's not who you are. Yes. And I, if people listening can just take that piece or start to get curious about that, that piece brought up, I think that this whole podcast show is worth it because thoughts really are just electrical impulses and the mind Mm -hmm. thinks like the heart beats. And if you stop and think about it in a day, it's kind of crazy. It's like, well, how many thoughts did I actually invite in? Mm-hmm. And when I ask myself that, usually it's pretty few, you know, mm-hmm. but I think for people that are brand new to meditation or they've never meditated before, you know, they might be listening to this thinking, oh, this is just crazy, <laughs> a little disorienting. So if you don't believe us just yet, just hang in there. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've heard of the book, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Have you heard of that? I have. It is on my table. I have not read it. I saw that. Oh, okay. Well, it talks about that. It talks about like detaching your mind from the thinking mind. But anyway, he says in the book that people usually think that they're in control of their thoughts. And yes, sometimes you are, but most of your day thoughts happen to you. Like you're not the one thinking your brain just thinks that's just what it does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of exactly what you said. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to I'll have to dive into that. Yeah. So another thing I want to ask, it's similar to the meditation one, but just about 
exercise in general, because this is something I deal with and a lot of people do. Like people want to change. They get inspired to like start working out again. And then eventually they kind of lose motivation, then they fall off and then they get lazy. And then and then maybe it sparks again. And it feels like this never ending cycle. So what advice do you have about that? Totally. I think the biggest thing is exercise needs to fit into your life, Mm -hmm. not the other way around. For years, I would struggle, you know, planning my whole day around, you know, when I was going to work out. And, you know, the older I get, the busier my life is, the more ease and joy I have found in the other way around. It's like, okay, well, I'm doing all of these things with my friends, with my family. I have all of these commitments at work and, you know, with my partner and my home life, my exercise needs to support me. I don't have to work hard to support my exercise routine. Like the time that I spend exercising is an important part of the day, but it is not the most important part of my day. So finding Mm. something doable, that's flexible. I personally really love working out at home. Mm -hmm. I still will go take a yoga class where I teach a couple of times a week here in Portland, but primarily it's just me and my cat in my pajamas, no makeup, no bra, (laughs) just like making it happen. Uh, The other tip that I have is do something that brings you joy. If you hate it, you have not found the right program. And, Mm. you know, for me, having the right teacher, someone that I feel like I can connect with is huge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, every time I'm filming and I'm creating these classes for people, I, I really am just thinking about like, how can I serve them? How can I keep it fun? What can I do to make sure that I'm showing up fully to support them? Because I know that people are just struggling and have busy lives. Yeah. I think the hardest part is like, if you're used to taking classes, the hardest part is just showing up. I mean, once you're there, it's good, but making that fit into your schedule. Yes. For me, when I'm at home, it's like the hardest part is pressing play. (laughs) Do you watch your own videos to work out or how do you, what do you mean? What are you pressing play on? Yes. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you sound like a narcissist, but no, there are days when I just want to be led and I want someone else to lead me through it. And on those days, you know, there are a handful of teachers that I rely on. A lot of days I'm making things up and just Uh doing what feels right. But I do do my own videos two to three times a week. And that (laughs) is because I'm always thinking critically about how I can do it better, how we can, you know, improve the the quality Mm. of the music. And from the perspective of the person at home, you know, I'm looking at it from how can I mirror them and make it easier to follow and how how can the camera angles be better. So I'm always... I'm always thinking about driving things forward. But then I also, sometimes I just fire it up because, you know, I used to not even be able to watch my videos because I was so critical of myself. Mm -hmm. And now I feel it's almost an exercise in compassion. Like, hey, like I'm showing up and I'm trying. (laughs) And so it's, it's been a good exercise that way too. Yeah. I think the little interesting part is when you're exercising, it's like you're also working on your business because you're learning. (laughs) You're like, 
like, oh, how yes. can I do this better and that better? Yeah. yeah. And then also like I'll watch things and I'll be like, whoa, my, my form and that one pose, like my shoulders are a little too forward, you know? And it's like, <laughs> well, sometimes in, in my videos, I'll make a mistake or kind of trip over a chair and I just kind of keep going because I, I, I don't want to portray myself as kind of this Barbie doll fitness guru. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling and trying to make this work and, and make it happen for myself as well. Yeah. You have to show the real side of you too. Sometimes. What will you do for your dreams in 2019? Introducing the artist of life workbook and daily planner by Lavendaire tools to help you create your best year in 2019. If you love journaling, self-discovery, creativity, and productivity, these are perfect for you. Filled with 125 pages of questions and exercises, the 2019 Artist of Life Workbook walks you through reflecting on your past year, setting goals and intentions for the new year, discovering yourself, staying committed to your goals, and tracking your progress monthly. The Daily Planner by Lavendaire is a tool to help you design a productive, effective, and meaningful day. The Artist of Life Workbook helps you plan a macro view of your life, while the Daily Planner helps you plan the micro. Together, these tools will help you build your dream life one page at a time time. They're seriously life-changing and they make great gifts too. Go to shop.lavendaire.com to check them out. Sending you so much light. What is your daily routine? Like just lead me through, I guess, your morning routine or evening routine. What are some like key daily rituals that help keep you sane? Yes. For me, my morning is really huge and I don't always have a morning routine and things are different for me because, you know, I'm 32. I don't have a child. I just have a three-year-old cat named Javier. But, (laughs) But I wake up and I either just roll out my mat and do about 20 minutes of movement and meditation, or I just meditate by myself. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't do any movement. And, you know, the deeper my meditation practice has gotten, I no longer rely on exercise first, I now can, can sit in the quiet without moving first. Mm -hmm. But I'd say there was a, a, a long time where I really did rely on having that combination to be able to even meditate. So I'll move yeah. and meditate. And then I meet with my husband, Peter, who's also my business partner. And we go over the priorities of the day while I drink tea. Mm-hmm. And we look at exactly what needs to happen. Then I do breakfast. And for breakfast, I usually just make a smoothie because it's fast and easy. And I love Kelly Levesque's smoothies. Are you familiar no, with her work? No. She has a book called Body Love. And her smoothies are all about balancing blood sugar. So you combine Mm. fiber, healthy fats, protein, and greens. She calls them the Fab Four smoothies. And I've tried so many times to make my own smoothies, but I'm hopeless in the kitchen (laughs) and I have to rely on a recipe or else they just taste terrible. I just kind of throw anything in the blender and if it tastes terrible, I just drink it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you are so much better than me. I'll like give it to Peter. I'm like, here, babe, I made you something. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But yeah, those are some key things of my day. And lately, you know, there are times when I'm not working around the clock, but right now I am. Um, so lately, Peter, you know, he's been working like 14 hour days to get our app off the ground. He's a developer. 
and he runs kind of the financial side of our business. And then we've been working until around 9.30 or 10 at night. And then we have like a late European dinner (laughs) where I've been making soups at night. And then we watch a TV show to unwind and we've been real night owls lately. So it might not be the healthiest thing, but that is what our reality looks like at the moment. Yeah. And that's okay. You're building your business. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. It's exciting. It feels really good. That's great. So moving forward, is there anything that you're excited about now? What's next for you and your business? Gosh, you know, what I'm most excited about right now is the launch of a new class format around running. Mm -hmm. So the class is structured with It's audio only and it's a mindful run first. So music really drives the class. And then throughout the class, I'm giving you cues to help you stay present in your body. Mm -hmm. And then after we run, there's a short mindful stretch that's also set to music. Music is a huge piece of everything that I do because I it's a passion of mine. I love it. Plus, Peter is a DJ. Oh, fun. And we really work as a team to put together these playlists. So, oh, yeah. So after the stretch, we sit for meditation. So you get kind of everything. You stabilize your attention and really get present in the body with the movement piece. And then we sit and mm-hmm. get really grounded and give give ourselves deep rest meditation piece. So that launches in November with the mobile app and we are heading to New York and doing a series of pop-ups there in November as well. So I'm just fired up to share this. I feel like things are coming full circle by launching the run piece of the app because I really, for over a decade, I've had such a tough relationship with running And I feel like I'm finally kind of healing myself Mm -hmm. and I'm able to enjoy something once again that I once really, really loved because I've missed getting outside and I've missed moving my body in that way. So it's nice to be able to revisit it and have a positive experience instead of putting so much pressure on myself to go faster and harder. That's beautiful because it's, it is full circle. Like you are a runner and then you went through all of this life experience. Now you're wiser and now you've created this mindful exercise, mindful running exercise for your audience, which is really nice. Oh, thank you. I think it means so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. So now I like to end the episode with some rapid fire questions. So just feel free to answer whatever's off the top of your head. Okay. So the first question is, what does your dream life look like? Honestly, my dream life looks exactly how it does right now, but I love it. <laughs> maybe another cat. I'm a cat <laughs> lady through and through. Mm-hmm. I would love a bathtub. I do not have a bathtub right now. <laughs> and that's it? A cat and a bathtub. <laughs> yes. And then, Tell your husband. <laughs> yeah, important things. And then we went to Greece for two weeks last summer and worked remotely. I would love to extend that to four to six weeks next summer. Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I love traveling. Mm-hmm. So what is one book or resource you recommend to everybody? Mm, this is so good. Okay. Hunger by Roxane Gay. Uh, she, have you read any of her work? I haven't. What's it about? She's amazing. She's a feminist and she writes about her experience being a black woman who is fat in America. Mm -hmm. And 
just the everyday experiences of racism and discrimination that she faces because of how she looks and how the world really is built mm-hmm. for able-bodied, thin people. So that mm-hmm. was something that really deeply moved me and something that I'm always thinking about being in the health and wellness space because oftentimes thinness is what is celebrated and you know obviously that's not an indicator of of how you feel <laughs> so yeah. that was a really powerful read for me and then also a book by Cheryl Strayed called Tiny Beautiful Things it is well Cheryl's a Portland author and she just speaks to me on so many levels. There's a an, an excerpt in there called The Black Arc of It, where she talks about looking for answers external to yourself. And back when I first read this chapter in 2012, it ripped my heart wide open because I realized I was that person searching for answers outside of myself when really I just needed to look inward. So I usually gift those two books to people. Wow. And what is one habit or activity that has changed your life? This whole interview has been about moving and meditating, but I have to say moving and meditating has changed my life because it's allowed me to heal and get strong and then show up in other areas of my life better. You know, when I was struggling with anxiety the most, I couldn't pay attention to the news. I really shielded myself from other people's suffering because I was struggling to get out of bed every day and to just put one foot in front of the other. And now, um, you know, that, that is my privilege that I was able to do that but now I can hold space. I have the last year really been diving into anti-racism work and realizing ways that I have been upholding white supremacy when, you know, I certainly don't intend to do it, but I've been able to look at my own behavior, my own life, my own habits Mm. of where I shop, of where I'm giving my money, of who I'm supporting, of who I'm choosing to represent in my business, of the books I'm reading. So I would say that moving and meditating has led me to anti-racism work, Mm -hmm. which has led me to really just reclaiming pieces of my own humanity that I didn't know or lost. I love that. That's so amazing. And I do appreciate, yeah, meditation helps you be a more conscious person. Yeah, it totally does. And, you know, it is tricky because... I think in the health and wellness space too, you see a lot of women who say, oh, it's all love and light and I'm only going to talk about love and light. There's, I think, a real dangerous side to that too, because while you know meditation can for sure make you more moral and it makes you more conscious and it can widen your lens, you know, it's important that we talk about things beyond love and light, you know, mm-hmm. because our rage and our discomfort, like those emotions are there for a reason too. I don't know if you're familiar with a black woman, Layla Sad, who is an educator. And I don't know if she positions herself as an activist, but I really see her as one. She wrote a letter last year to white women who are in the spiritual community about why that is so dangerous. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if you can link to it in the show notes, but she does a much better job of of explaining that than I can. 
but oh, it, yeah. really, it really moved me. And it was one of many wake up calls that I've had because I've never been about love and light, but I've also mm. never seen like glossing over that as dangerous and violent mm. until I read that letter. And I'm like, wow, I've got a lot of work to do. Mm, we'll definitely share that. That's very interesting. And I appreciate you bringing that up. So thank you. Oh, no. Thank you for giving me the space to. Yeah. What is the best life or career advice you've ever gotten? From my dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, When I had a job that I hated right after college and I was super depressed, he took me out to dinner and I was in a career that was very male dominated. You know, I was actually experiencing sexual harassment at work and he just sat me down Mm -hmm. and he said, Kate, don't make any decisions for the money. Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know that you need to figure out what your next step is before you leave this job, but you can do something and make much less money. And that Mm -hmm. is more than okay. He's like, just keep following your heart and that won't lead you in the wrong place. And I also realized that I, I have a lot of privilege to be able to internalize that. You know, I wasn't worrying about where my next meal was or where I was going to sleep that night. So I realized that that is privileged advice, but it is something that you know, I have just kept in at the forefront of my mind and it, and it, and it's helped me to be less afraid to be myself. Totally. And it's really nice that he gave you, he allowed you the space to do that. Like, don't worry about the money. Yeah. 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 My parents both grew up much differently than I did. And I think that that is probably what they're the most proud of is that they've been able to give their kids more flexibility Mm -hmm. and, you know, I have more freedom than they did. They were in survival mode when they were in their early Mm -hmm. 20s versus me um, having more choices. Totally. Same with my parents too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? Uh, Like this feeling of being alive. I don't know if that's like too woo. but (laughs) No, it's fine. This moment, I feel like I've spent so much of my life waiting for the next thing you know, my 20s thinking, oh, I'll be happy when I have a bathtub or I'll be happy when I have more money or when I can go here, or when I can buy this outfit and these new Jesse Cam pants. You know, like I really was kind of that person who thought that happiness was like in my next purchase. And now I just sit in the quiet and I feel like the vibrancy of the quiet and I see how my breath is there to support me. And I see how these tools that I've developed over the years are internal resources that I can rely on. And I feel Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed by gratitude and just proud of myself because I know what it feels like to not be connected to those internal resources. Those internal resources are inside all of us you know, everything we need, we already have, but to feel that connection and to feel that they're there is like this feeling of being alive. And it's this inner, inner trust and inner sense of resilience and strength that I'm just so grateful for. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciated (laughs) this conversation. Lastly, where can our listeners find you online? For sure. So my website is kateherley.com and it's K-A-I-T-H-U-R-L-E-Y. I I spell my name a little funky because my name's actually Caitlin. (laughs) Oh, I see. (laughs) On Instagram, I'm kate.herley. So those are the best places to 
take care next. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Happy weekend. Thank you, Eileen. Oh, and I, I remembered by the time I think this interview launches or shortly after, you can also find me on the Apple store because our new mobile oh, awesome. app will be there. But oh, awesome! thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for having me. I really respect your work and it's been a real honor to connect with you. Thank you so much. I hope you guys liked that conversation. And now I just wanted to share some key takeaways from our interview. First off, I really liked Kate's story. I liked hearing how she went from being that athlete that pushed herself too hard, that really forced her body so hard to going full circle. Now she's like all about mindfulness, meditating daily, taking care of your body, supporting yourself. And it's really like the journey of learning to be your own friend, learning to love yourself, to love your body. It sounds to me like it's learning self-love and self-care, right? So I definitely think meditation is something we're hearing more and more often. We hear how it's good for us and we should all do it every day. But if it comes down to it, like it's actually really hard to make the time to make that practice to sit down and meditate daily. And I know some people have more trouble doing it than others. People who are more active, who always want to be on the go and are thinking constantly, it's harder for them to meditate. So someone like Kate, and I'm thinking like my boyfriend is exactly the same way. He cannot sit still for like two minutes. So her figuring out that moving before she meditates helps make it so much easier. That is like a breakthrough idea. And like I mentioned, it reminds me of like doing Shavasana at the end of a yoga session. It's so much easier to relax and stay still when you've just like worked your body out really hard. And it's also very productive because it encourages to work out and meditate and it becomes more of like a practice that is all encompassing. So you do both at the same time, thus you're doing two good habits at once, which I thought was pretty cool. So let me know if you guys are interested in trying out the move and meditate method. Definitely let me know in that Facebook group. And also I really liked hearing how Kate has become more conscious as a person, just becoming aware of, you know, anti-racism ideals and the books that she's reading just to be more aware, conscious, and empathetic to experiences outside of her own. That was super cool to hear. And I really do think that meditation has to do with that, you know? So that's it for today. Don't forget that you can check out all the links that we mentioned in the show notes, which is also on the blog. So go to lavendare.com and you'll see the podcast tab. You'll see blog posts for each of our episodes. And I don't know if you guys know, but we write like bullet points on all the key things that we talk about in the episode, as well as share links to everything we mentioned. Love you all so much and talk to you next time. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Next, make sure you check out the 2019 Artist of Life workbook and the daily planner by Lavender on my website, lavender.com shop. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.